This is Songwriter, a podcast of stories and answer songs. I'm Ben Arthur. This week, we have a brand new song from Byron Isaacs, who plays with everyone from Springsteen to Elvis Costello to the Lumineers, and just released a solo album, The Disappearing Man. But first, a story about loneliness and quiet compassion from an old friend of mine. My name is Rita Mullaney. I did 24 years as a police officer. I rose through the ranks, made captain. I walked a footpost in Chelsea uh, in the 10th precinct for about six years. And uh, from those experiences, I took a lot of photographs. Uh, And I also went back and did a lot of documentary work on the subjects that I photographed to get their story because I found them so interesting. I wanted to go and, and kind of put them on the map because some of their stories really were never told publicly and I thought that they should be. So it's about 1989, and I am a rookie cop, and I arrive at the 10th Precinct. And the first face I see is this elderly woman with bright red hair, lipstick everywhere but on her lips, with a big wool coat, scarves, all covered up. It was one of those old precincts, too, like never been redone, like it looked like the old castles. Uh, Everything was like the pipes were exposed, the heat was on, you could hear the heat, but it was still freezing. It was just this sleepy little place on West 20th between 7th and 8th Avenues. This woman didn't say much to me, but I just kept seeing her day after day. I went up and I got my locker and, you know, I'm a rookie, so I never ask any questions of who she is. You know, it is what it is. She's supposed to be there. One night, I'm, uh, I'm walking up the stairs after my end of tour. It's probably about midnight. I saw Millie open up an old closet. I saw her go in there and then I saw her shut the door. And I witnessed that a few times until finally I realized she actually lived in there. Um, The cops never said anything. Everybody kind of considered her part of their family. It's like they were very good to her. They they gave her clothes, they gave her food, um, and um, they talked to her. You know, that was kind of where she found her home. She would see cops come in and do their 20 years there and leave, and she'd still be there. So she had more time than anybody in that precinct. And time means respect. And I think that's when the younger cops came in, they just got used to her, so nobody ever questioned why she was there. And they just never brought it up. But it was also hidden from the supervisors because they come and go, but the cops stay there the longest. So nobody ever really gave her up that she was living there. Uh, every now and then she'd come in and give my, my partner, who was a woman at the time, dresses. And my partner's name was Diane, and she'd give us these old dresses from her closet, and we would take them graciously, of course, and never wear them. Eventually, a supervisor found out about Millie and forced her to leave the precinct. We find out that Millie's gone back home. She gets thrown out. And I think a lot of the uh, officers got upset that they threw her out. But, you know, we had some form of peace because she had an apartment on the street. And we could never figure out, well, why does she live at the precinct if she had an apartment on the street? Years later, Rita finally found out why Millie had left her home and started sleeping at the precinct. Millie was uh, sexually assaulted and beaten and left for dead in her apartment. And the cops that came there 
the rumor was that they took care of Millie, they brought her to the hospital, but they went and they found the guy that did it to Millie and that they took care of him. That's, that was the story. Millie ended up, you know, coming to the precinct and showing her gratitude to the, to the men that helped her. And she started to cook for them because that was her expertise. She was a cook on the merchant ships. It was like she was always there. It was like that was her home and that's where she existed and that's where she found her safety, her safe place. Not long after Millie was sent home, word went around the precinct that she'd been found dead in her apartment. You know, I actually uh, was there the night that they found her. Millie was like lying dead in a, a bunch of newspapers. And, uh, and the newspapers kind of went back 20 years. She never threw out a newspaper. And like there were paths to her apartment that it was like a hoarder's dream. You know, you had to walk sideways. And Millie had been dead for weeks. She was really, it was really bad. But it was sad, it was also really sad because when she left the precinct, that was her home and, and she had nowhere to go. So she went back home to where she really didn't want to go and eventually died there in the middle of her living room on top of a bunch of junk. By the time I made Lieutenant, which was uh, 2001, I'm assigned to the 6th Precinct, and I'm the desk officer, which, you know, I knew nothing about. I'm in my crisp white shirt, and I'm trying to pretend I look official. And all the cops are kind of tiptoeing by me, trying to make sure that I'm okay, because they don't know me, and I'm the new boss. And prisoners are coming in and out, and prostitutes. It was, it was a very busy precinct with, with drug arrests and, and prostitution, male prostitution especially. Um, down by like, you know, 14th Street and Gainsworth. It was all, it was all male prostitution there. So they're all coming in in their miniskirts and they get arrested today, they know that, they're out tomorrow and then maybe the cop will give them a couple of weeks off and they'll go back. As I'm sitting there, um, you know, it's just a, a day in the life and in comes Moira uh, Smith. Moira grew up in Bay Ridge where I grew up in, in, in uh, Brooklyn and she said, uh, Rita, I can't believe you're a lieutenant. She was two years older than me, but I used to date like her best friend's brother, Charlie. So we, you know, we would talk about all the old characters that we grew up with. So we said goodbye, good luck. She goes, good luck. I'm like, thank you, I'm gonna need it. A little after Moira left on the same day, I'm uh, again trying to pretend I know what I'm doing. And this cop comes up to me and says, Lieutenant, we have a problem in the basement. And I said, well, what's the problem? He said, I think the cleaner is dead. So I said, oh my God, I go down the basement with him. It was an older man. And I said, I can't believe this poor thing comes to work and drops dead. I have a dead body in a precinct. All right, I gotta make my notifications. I got, I'm trying to remember who do I call first, the borough, operations, you know, my commanding officer, which by the way, I just met my commanding officer. And I, at this point, I don't think he was very crazy about me. But he wasn't in, so I was the highest in command. I go to pick up the phone, and somebody puts their hand over my hand while I'm going to pick up the phone. This sergeant said, Lieutenant, we have a problem. I said, now what's the problem? He said, uh, Jose, you know, the cleaner, he retired. I said, then why is he dead in the fucking precinct? He said, well, he lived here.
What happened is, is he retired and he had nowhere to go. His wife had thrown him out, he was, had a drinking problem, and he just had nowhere to go, so he kept coming back to work. And he kept cleaning, like he never retired. So nobody said anything. And they would give him some food, and some people would give him some clothes, just kind of like Millie. And it was just one of those things that as you came in that door as a rookie, he was always there for the past six years, and just like Millie was for the past 30 or 40 years. And it was just, they were there, so you just never questioned it. So I write this report, and I said, look, at, at time, place of occurrence, Jose, who was formally assigned to the precinct as a cleaner, uh, he came back to the precinct to get something out of his locker, and he just dropped dead. And I put it in the in-basket of the captain, and I said, I'm going to be transferred by Monday. So this was Thursday. Friday was the next day the captain wasn't in, and somehow he had off a long weekend. And by the time Monday came, I had heard he started asking about who is this cleaner? Why was this cleaner here if he retired? And I just knew this was it. I was dead and I was a new lieutenant and he was just gonna give me hell. And Monday came and he didn't see me and I didn't see him. And then Tuesday was 9-11. Two of the members that worked with us in our command went missing and all hell broke loose obviously in the city and, and especially in Manhattan South where I worked. And his, his in-basket went into the garbage. Nothing was ever t talked about with Jose the Cleaner uh, again. It was never questioned. Along with two officers from her precinct, Rita also lost Moira Smith, who died during the rescue efforts on 9-11. And now we turn to the song written in response to Rita's story. My name is Byron Isaacs. I am a New York City musician and uh, songwriter and bass player. Transplant from Texas, Brooklynite now since 1994. Uh, over the years, I've been really lucky, I think, in, uh, in getting to play with a, a lot of my heroes. I, I spent... Uh, years playing and recording with Levon Helm from the band, uh, in his band, and, and got to record on his, uh, his Grammy-winning studio albums, Dirt Farmer and Electric Dirt. And uh, he actually recorded uh, a song of mine on each of those records, uh, which was a huge honor. I got to play and record with Willie Nelson and with Bruce Springsteen and... Um, Byron has played with so many extraordinary musicians. I was in Joan Baez's band for a while and... Uh, that I have to remind him... Alan Toussaint and Elvis Costello and... That he also records and tours with the Lumineers. And now you play with... And, uh, and, and in recent years, I've been playing with the Lumineers. Those guys are... They're awesome. I have to say they're, they're among the most down-to-earth people I've, uh, I've ever worked with, and it's, it's been a pleasure. You know, there's always that nagging fear that when you're asked to, to write a song on schedule that the muse just won't show up. There's almost too much here to get into a song. But, but I wanted to get some of the stories in there because, you know, when you're writing a song about something so quintessentially New York as a New York precinct, and, and characters as, as, as interesting and, and juicy as these characters. You know, instantly I, I want to be Lou Reed and write these like amazing little vignettes about these people. Hopefully I, I, I found that universal thread that, that 
sort of connects it and gives it a context. That's what I was going for, uh, that I could string these little pearls of stories out on. As Byron thought about the song he wanted to write, he realized that Millie had a lot in common with someone close to him. My mom used to, you know, have the flaming red hair and, uh, you know, the, the bright red lipstick and, and also was a, a hoarder. Spent a lot of years um, uh, in, a, in a house with my mom where there was basically a single file path uh, from the door to the bed. And on either side of this path were towering piles of newspapers. Um, that were, you know, decades old. It's very much what Rita describes Millie's apartment looking like when she saw it, finally. However, my, my mother um, was tended toward the hermetic. So that was one thing where, you know, Millie and my mom were pretty different. I think that probably were she in an environment um, uh, that was more stimulating, like what Millie found in the precinct, that she'd have better mental health. I think that Millie was right in, in, uh, in knowing that she needed to be around people. And, um, and I, you know, I kind of wish my mom had sort of embraced that more, um, as I think that uh, it's, it's, it's been a hard road for her. Here's the song written in response to Rita Mullaney's story titled Someone to Someone by Byron Isaacs. I've seen every kind of face walk through that door You book them and you print them and you file a report You learn to never say you've seen it all before When you're a police officer in New York Its own kind of family with a code of respect for seniority. Jose scrubbed the bathroom till his dying day. Retired years ago, but wouldn't go away. Everybody wants to be connected, everybody wants to feel protected, everybody wants to find a way to stay in play, not fade away. Nobody wants to be rejected Nobody wants to be disrespected Everybody wants to be someone to someone Captain Chelsea merely was the grand down A civilian survivor given shelter from the storm in the storage room we turned a blind eye When they sent her home they sentenced her to die Everybody wants to be connected Everybody wants to feel protected Everybody wants to have that place People know their face can't be erased Nobody wants to be rejected Nobody wants to be disrespected Everybody wants to be someone to someone Everybody wants to be someone to someone
face walk through that door Doing whatever it takes for whatever they're looking for There's no end to the pursuit of happiness But may we never outlive our usefulness Everybody wants to be connected Everybody wants to be protected Everybody wants to stay engaged Be embraced no matter their age Nobody wants to be rejected Nobody wants to be disrespected Everybody wants to be someone to someone 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 That was Byron Isaacs with his song, Someone to Someone, written in response to a story from Rita Mullaney. The next episode of Songwriter will be a little different. It will feature the life story of Aura Hernandez, a Guatemalan woman who's been living in sanctuary in a church on the Upper West Side of Manhattan for more than a year, and a song written in response to her life story by Denise Reyes. Remember, you can always get early access to the Songwriter podcast at Paste. Just go to pastemagazine.com and search for Ben Arthur. And while you're there, you can check out the Paste podcast or get it wherever you get yours.